Come on, how's everybody doing today? Does everybody feel good? Man, what a special thing that was. I know that, you know, you always, we, we think that, we know that we're going to dedicate our children, and it just happened to be that we were able to dedicate them while my parents were here. What, a, what an incredible treat. I know that was for, for me, and uh, so... Thanks for letting me be able to do that. We want to welcome you to Elevate Ministries this morning. It is a beautiful day to be in the house of God. You made the right decision to be here in person and on purpose. That's how we do it here at Elevate Ministries. So we're glad that you're a part of it. We're glad that you decided to come and be a part of the family of God. We want to welcome everybody watching on the live stream, watching in your homes, on your phones, on your TVs, maybe you're in your car, wherever you're at, you're joining in with us and we're glad that you are and we believe that God's doing something in your life just like he is doing something in our lives here. We want to release all of our kids. You are released, be released, to go and learn many, many good Christian things. I know my kids are back there, and I am so thankful, let me tell you, so thankful for our kids' ministry. Come on, so thankful for our kids. Are you thankful for our kids' ministry? Make sure if you have a kid in the kids' ministry, let them know how grateful you are for them, for what they do. So every week this month, we've been in the theme, State of the Union. Have you enjoyed this theme so far? How good has this been? What a special time that we've had together. And every week, we've had up here a, a couple uh, within our church that is, that is an example of a godly marriage and that, that we heard from and they spoke about what God has done within their marriage, maybe some things that they have learned uh, over the course of their marriage, and if my parents are here, uh, I thought, and Pastor Adam said to me, he was like, you know, whoa, how cool would it be if we just have your parents say something? And I was like, let's go. What a great idea. My parents, as Pastor Adam said, are, are pastors in, in Pennsylvania. They've been pastoring for almost 35 years, a church in Pennsylvania, which is amazing. I've grown up in that church. That church is the reason why I am who I am. And uh, just like a church family that we are here, it is a church family over there. And in the same spirit that we worship here, they worship there. So they're part of us, and we are a part of them. Uh, but not only that, what's really cool about it is that literally tomorrow my parents are celebrating 41 years of marriage. So if we can this morning, I'd like to turn it over to my parents for, for a couple minutes so that they can address us today. All right. Amen. Well, we, we are so glad to be here, and it's great to see what God's doing here. Amen. And our son being a part of it, son and daughter-in-law, and their family also. So he asked us to say a couple things about the keys for the State of the Union, that the State of the Union can be good. Well, I don't know how much keys we have, but I'll just say this. I've learned a, a, a couple very important words that help a lot. Yes, dear. But I will say also that the commitment and the faithfulness that God calls, which is what marriage is, it, the fidelity and the, the continuation, continue, not all time, uh, there's, there's ups and downs in any relationship and anything in life. And so in the ups and downs, we, uh, we're up, we're down, and all that kind of thing, and we have to persevere through it, and that's the key to marriage. But that's the key to any victory in any, and conquering in anything at all, but certainly also in marriage. And I will say this, and um, God's, God's been putting on my heart, and I want to preach a message maybe this next Sunday about tension. And there's, there's, there's areas of life that bring tension. Not all tension is bad. In fact, God has ordained that there's a certain amount of tension 
you know, that which is pushing against something else that's pushing back. And in marriage, you come up to those times that there's great tension. And what we have to learn is that it's in those times that, that we have to allow God to help us because many times it's God who's pushing against us. And, and so we have to learn, it's not just my way and always, and always yes, dear, but it's that, that relationship that we have together. And so it's, it's learning to function and hear from God. And sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. It's happened once or twice. But, uh, and that's all I have to say, turning it over to the deer. There's two things that strike me when I think about parenting or being a wife in marriage. And the first one, come over here, Brian. This is a tool for every parent, which inevitably that might happen in your marriage, you become a parent. Whenever you begin to see your child and how they can be used by God, feed it. Give it all you got. Look for how they can be used in ministry. Look for how they can serve in the church. Look for how God can use them in the community because it's so worth it. The best is when they grow up and you see, okay, okay, I did the right thing. Even though sometimes it's hard, sometimes maybe they wanna take their gifts and their talents and use them in a way that's maybe not so godly. God will bring them back. Do that. And I know, thank you. I know that this church sees that. Because you guys, you guys have done that. All you have to do is look at Jordan and Drew and Abby. You're on your way. I don't know where you are. But I know that God's going to use you too. And you know what? You had parents. Bonnie and Carl, you did the same thing. That's the best thing. That's the best thing. So that's the first thing is parenting. And the second one I think of, I think of marriage. I grew up in a home where there were six kids and four of them were boys. And I couldn't wait to get out of the smells and the sounds that went along with the boys. And I was sure, I, uh, at 19 years old, I got engaged to this wonderful guy here, and at 20 years old, we got, I was 20, we got married, and I was like, I'm gonna train him, it's not gonna be a problem, we're not gonna have any of that in my house. That's not the way it goes, and not any woman here knows that, because the guys, they think, that's, they think it's all funny. So I, I was like, Steve, <laughs> Steve, you, listen, don't burp. I just don't like it. He's like, okay, let me help you. Let me help you. When I burp, that just means I'm a well-fed man. <laughs> I was like, okay, I hear you. So now it doesn't bother me because I saw it from his perspective. You go to bed at night. It's loud, it's loud. How many ladies can understand? They snore, snore, snore. They snore. They snore and it's, it's loud and um, I can't sleep. I just can't sleep. Honey, can you just do, he said, listen, 
I'm satisfied, my life is good, I'm fulfilled, we have a good life. When I snore, you think about that. And so now, at 40, almost 41 years, honestly, I love it when I fall asleep to hearing him snore. Yes, so trust God that when you look at your husband's or your wife's perspective, you might, you might see it a little different. And the very things that you don't like might be the things that you're thankful for. Wow, come on. Can we thank them for being here, for being a part of this? Awesome. Yeah, you can just go right that way. Yeah. Man. Whew. What, what a, man, you have no idea what a pleasure it is seeing my parents up here. What a, what a tremendous thing. And divine tension. Divine tension. And I'm half tempted to fly home and hear that message next Sunday. That would be, that'd be amazing. I'll tell you what. Let me just say this, church. What a blessing it is to, uh, to be the product of a strong, godly marriage. It is, a, it is a real blessing. But you know what's even more amazing and wonderful than that? I'm going to tell you that one of the most amazing things is that every single one of us, every single one of us has within us the potential to have the same strength, the same longevity, the same, the same, uh, 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 the same uh, godliness within our marriages that we've seen in my parents' life and Pastor, Pastor Adam, Pastor Carrie, Pastor Carl, Sister Bonnie. Every one of us has the same potential to have that same, that same kind of marriage. And I'm so grateful to God that God is someone that gives the same opportunity to every single one of us. And he's the same God for every single one of us. All we need to do is put the promises that he puts in his word to work in our life. And we can see the, the miracle that takes place through it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Amen. Amen. I'm so grateful for this theme, State of the Union. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful theme, and, and, uh, and it's been so good up to this point. If you remember the first week of this theme, Pastor Adams, uh, uh, he started off, and he spoke a message, really, really good message, and it was about the treasure in the field. How many remember that message? The treasure in the field, and what he was talking about was he was saying that everyone, there, there is treasure and gold to be found within your wife, within your spouse. There is treasure to be found, but you have to dig for it. I remember that message. What a great message that was. Tremendous. And then last week, which was Super Bowl Sunday, Brother Dave brought a dynamic message, which was excellent. Do you remember? He talked about knowing the playbook. Knowing what the Word of God says, knowing the playbook, and, and, and he talked about practicing the fundamentals. How many remember that? Practicing the fundamentals. He spoke about making the adjustments and playing to win. What a great message that was last week, and I have to say, it's, it's very humbling. I find it very humbling to be, to be up here today because I still consider myself quite young, and I still believe I have a whole lot to learn, and I know I do. Um, I, I still believe that, uh, that my wife and I kind of feel like we're, we're in the newlywed stage to a degree, so it's very humbling uh, to be up here. It's always humbling to be up here, but, but it's humbling to be up here to speak on marriage uh, because I know that there's so many marriages in this room that have been, you've been together far longer than my wife and I, and so what I'd like to do this morning, if I can, is I would like to speak on what we have found within our marriage, and I'm going to hope and I'm going to pray that God is able to do something within everyone here, or any, anyone that he is able to through what God has done through us. And my wife and I, uh, next month we're going to be celebrating 10 years married, which I'm very, very excited about. Very excited. Amen. I'm extremely proud of my marriage. 
Uh, it's one of the things I'm most proud of in my entire life, my marriage uh, to my wife, Cindy. I, my wife is extremely loyal. She's a level-headed woman. She, she loves our children fiercely. She's not a quitter. She's an extremely hard worker, a very hard worker. She's a motivator. She's loyal, and she is my most cherished friend in this whole world. I love my wife very, very, very dearly. And I'm continuing on in this theme, and I, I don't, I, I'm not going to, and I'm continuing on in this theme, and I speak for overly long this morning, but I, I'm going to speak this message, and I'm going to talk about two things this morning, two things that I believe that God has impressed on me in regards to this theme, in regards to my marriage, to and everything else, Lord, putting you on the forefront of our lives, of our marriages, our relationships together, at the forefront of our church. We are grateful to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to all of us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would use these two things that I'm going to talk about today. Lord, use them in a powerful way, and we thank you for it, Lord Jesus. Thank you. In, in Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. And everybody said, everybody said amen. Why do we always say that? Everybody needs to say it together, and that's whatever. It doesn't matter. There was a distinction that Pastor Adam made on the first week of this, of this theme. And I thought it was a really good distinction. And if you'll, you'll remember it when I talk about it, he talked about the distinction between contract and covenant. How many remember that? Contract and covenant. Covenant. Now, when two people, two, two, two people in this world come together and they make some kind of a deal, some kind of agreement, it's it's called a contract. They 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 sign a contract, and a contract is based on mistrust. A contract is based on mistrust. If you remember, actually, I think it was Dave that that elaborated on that last week when he said a contract is based on mistrust. But a covenant, which is something that God brings together, a covenant is based on trust. It's the exact opposite. It's based on trust. And I thought that was a really tremendous distinction, but I would like to, if I can, I'd like to make another distinction this morning. And, uh, and this is something that's going to be a recurring thought throughout this message today. You know, mankind is extremely creative. We're creative people. Did you ever know that? Turn to someone next to you and say, you're very, very creative. You're very, very creative. You know, God designed us that way because God himself is creative. You know, you serve a creative God. He's a very creative God. But where man creates and brings things about, they do it, we do it through building and manufacturing. That's how we do it. We're creative, and what do we do with our creativity? We build. We build. But where man brings things about and brings things into existence through building, God creates and brings things into existence through birth. Through birth. Are you with me? Through birth. So man is only able to build, but God is able to birth. God is able to birth. And this is how God brings things, things about. Now, both of these things are extremely powerful. There is a great use to building. It's a wonderful thing. But the thing is, the difference is, building comes with great potential, yes, but birthing comes with promise. Building comes with potential, but birth comes with promise and potential. That's the way it, that's the way it works. And it, and it looks like this. What God births within you and within us manifests itself in the physical through us. Are you with me? It manifests itself in the physical through us. See, with building, 
When you're building something, there's always an end. There's always an end. You can only building, you can only build a building so far until the building is built. You don't just keep building and building on a finished building. It doesn't work that way. If you've driven up Chapman, uh, Chapman uh, going through the circle there, you see that they're building a new firehouse. And it's a huge building. It's been under construction, and they're, they're, they're working on that building. But it's going to come to a point where the building is finished. Everything that man builds comes to a finish, comes to an end. But whatever God builds, come on, whatever God builds, excuse me, whatever God births, excuse me, there is no end to the possibilities that can come about because what is birthed also has the future potential to birth. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So what God does is infinite and what we do is limited. It comes to an end, but God births things. It says in 1 Peter 1.23, it says, for you have been born again. Somebody say born again. You've been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. I love that scripture. It comes from the eternal living word of God. So what God creates has an infinite quality and what man builds has an end and is subject to decay. And that's just the way that it works. So where building is merely an outward process, birth begins on the inside but then achieves an inward and outward result. Does that make sense to everybody? Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in the womb in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as my prophet to the nations. So when God births something, he does so having already placed within it the potential of great works and with the promise of destiny. Are you with me? The promise of destiny. And you might be asking, well, what does this have to do with marriage? I thought we were talking about marriage this month. Well, that's a tremendous question. And so let's talk about it. The reason that this has to do with marriage is because God designed marriage to have something called a womb. Somebody say womb. God designed marriage to have something called a womb. And we all know what a womb is. We all know what a womb does. But I would like to suggest to you today that God not only designed marriage to have a womb, but to be a womb. God not only designed marriage to have a womb, but to be a womb. And we're coming to the first point in this message today. Marriage is a womb that carries promise. Marriage is a womb that carries promise. There is so much potential and promise within the womb of marriage. There's so much potential. What does that mean? Well, marriage is not just an institution wherein God brings two people together and then they can't separate anymore. That's not, it's part of it, but really, really it's a living womb that God desires to birth all manner of good things through. That's what marriage is. It, it brings two people together so that God can birth something through them and from them and 
out of them something that spills over everyone around them. That's what marriage was designed for. All manner of good things come from marriage. All manner of good things. I'm talking about good things to strengthen the marriage and make it better. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about good things that create a good home environment for raising a family. I'm talking about good things that help to develop strong community inside and outside of the home. I'm talking about good things that are vital and essential to the growth of the church, right? Good things that are essential to that. I'm talking about good things that establish moral foundation within the community. This comes from marriage. That's the way God designed it. That's why it's so important that we have godly marriages. That's why I'm so excited about this theme because at this church, we care about marriages. We care about families. We care about the strength of what God created. Proverbs 18.22, it says this, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. Now, I've read this scripture many times and I always thought, oh, cool, he, man finds a treasure. Yep, I, I can agree with that. My wife is such a treasure. She's wonderful. But then it says he receives favor from the Lord. Now, why is it that marrying a woman brings about favor from the Lord for their marriage? Why is that? Why is it that marriage brings about favor? It's because God in his Excuse me, because God is in the business of birthing new things and he decided, he, excuse me, he designed marriage to be something that he can bring things about through. That's why it says that a man receives favor from the Lord when he marries. It's for that reason. And these things that are birthed through our marriage, they benefit us. They benefit our marriage, they benefit our family, they benefit our church, they benefit our neighbors, they benefit our city, they benefit our community, our nation. It is all, that is all stuff that God brings about through marriage. I'm talking about stability. It comes from marriage. I'm talking about strength and order. It comes from marriage. I'm talking about real love and understanding. They're brought about through marriage. This is the way God designed it. I'm talking about patience. I'm talking about truth. I'm talking about wisdom. God brings these things about and he uses the womb of marriage. Are you still with me this morning? He brings about it through the womb of marriage. You know, Dave said it last week. He said that society runs on strong marriages. Society thrives on strong marriages. And this is why the enemy has gone to such great lengths to attack strong marriages. Because when society bases its goals and its purpose in godly marriage, then the whole nation's blessed. Right? When society bases what it does and who it is on godly marriage, then everyone is blessed because that is how God made it happen. But if the cultural value of marriage declines, then you are guaranteed to also see society decline. We're seeing it right now. We're seeing it right now all across the Western world. In fact, worldwide, there is, a, there is a lowering of value of godly marriage, right? People don't care about it as much anymore. It's not, it's not important anymore. And because that value is being lowered, we're seeing society tear itself apart. There is a reason why things are the way, the way that they are. A lot of people look at it, they just say, what's going on? This is a plan that's been in place for a long time. The enemy has been striving to break down the marriage. He's been striving to break down marriages. 
He's going to do it because if he is successful, he's not just breaking apart a marriage. He's breaking apart a home. He destroys community. He destroys unity. He wounds morality. And he ultimately destroys a union that God has always desired to birth something through. And whatever God births is eternal. Whatever God births is good. What God does is good through us. And when the enemy tears it apart, then God is not able to do what he intended to do. Now, I'd like to look at a story in the Old Testament, if I can, this morning. And it's the story of the covenant promise of children to Abraham and Sarah. Now, Abraham's wife, Sarah, a little bit of backstory. A lot of us know this story. Abraham's wife, Sarah, is barren. And they, they get married. I'm sure they were excited to have kids. I'm sure that they were, they were ready. Yeah, we're going to get married, and, and we're going to have lots of kids. It's going to be amazing. And it didn't really go that way. The Bible says that they tried to have kids. It didn't happen. And the Bible says that they, all through their life, they went through, and, uh, and they weren't able to have kids, all the way to the point where they were old and kids were no longer in the cards for them. And uh, so they tried to have kids and it didn't work out. Been there, done it. I have the t-shirt, I threw the t-shirt away, but I been there, it sucks, it's horrible. But they went all the way through life and they weren't able to have kids. And now at this point, they're old. And that's where we come in on the story. Genesis chapter 17, verse one, it says this. It says, when Abraham, or excuse me, when Abram was 99 years old, somebody say 99. He was 99. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and he said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Now, I believe that everything is in the Bible for a reason. Everything. If you read the Bible and you ask God, God, I want you to break this apart. I'm going to search this out. I want you to reveal things from this, and I want you to reveal it to me. And in reading this scripture, and I'm, you can ask Pastor Adam, if any time you put together a message, which Pastor Adam is doing in the offices all the time, you should pray for this man because it's not easy to do. But, uh, but everything is in the Bible for a reason, and when you search it out, God begins to reveal things to you. So the Bible says that God comes to, comes to Abram and he says, I am El Shaddai. I'm El Shaddai, God Almighty. The first thing that God does when he appears to Abram is establish who he is. It's the first thing that God does, establish who he is. He says, I'm El Shaddai, which actually translates to Lord God Almighty. So literally the first thing that God says to Abraham is, I can do anything, right? He, he shows up to Abraham. He doesn't say, hey, what's up? Abraham, how's it going? Hey, I'm El Shaddai. Ha <laughs> ha. He doesn't do that. He doesn't, he, no hello, no nothing. He shows up, he appears, and he says, I can do anything. Straight off the bat, I can do anything. You know your God can do anything? Do you know that? God can do anything. So literally the first thing he says, I can do anything. And it's important that he does this because when you know that you serve a God who can do anything, then when he wants to birth something within your marriage, then you can be sure that it's possible because God can do anything. So when he says to Abram, I can do anything, it immediately establishes there's nothing I can't do. So when he is about to say what he's about to say, Abram's mindset is a little bit different. It's not, he's not, all of a sudden he's looking at it from this perspective of the man who's, or the one that's talking to me can do anything. There's, it's very important that he does this. Very important. And this is why it's so critical that we put God on the forefront of our marriages. 
Every single marriage in this place, every future marriage of this place, there is nothing better that you can do than put God at the forefront of your marriage. This is why Pastor Adam pushes this so hard all the time. Jesus is front and center. He's front and center in our church. He's front and center in our marriages. This is who we are. You know, when, when Cindy and I first got married, now, a lot of you, you know our story. Cindy and I got married. My wife is from the Netherlands, so she moved to America. We got married, and, uh, uh, and we immediately, one of the first things that we established in our marriage is that we were going to pray together. We're going to pray together every day. Pray together. It's something that goes on to this day. We pray together. And, and whether it's praying together before we go to bed or sitting down together and spending time praying together or going to the beach and walking down the beach and praying together, Prayer is at the forefront of our marriage because God is at the forefront of our marriage, and my God can do anything. Amen? My God can do anything. We started reading the Bible together, putting that as a forefront of who we are, excuse me, and who our marriage, what our marriage is. The Word of God has come first in our marriage because God was in the beginning stages of birthing something within our marriage. He was in the beginning stages of birthing good things in our marriage. Now... When my wife and I got married, my wife, because she moved here from another country, she did not have a work visa. So my wife wasn't able to work. So we had to live on, on, on my income. And you know how it is. You first get married, there's not a lot of income going on. And so we did not have a whole lot of money. So what we would do, and we would do this as many times as we possibly could, we would get all dressed up. I mean all dressed up. I would, I would, I would, I'd go and I'd put on my, my nice pants and I'd, I'd put on a, a nice button-up shirt and my blazer, right, babe? Yeah, you remember that. Yeah, you remember that blazer, huh? And she, I'd put on that blazer and, uh, and, 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 I, and I'd, 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 I'd get looking as good as I can, put some cologne on and a little deodorant, you know, for the, you know. That's important, guys, deodorant. Come on. I'd put on deodorant and I'd get my nice shoes, the shoes I got married in or, or some other nice pair of shoes that I had. I'd get looking as good as I can and then my wife would walk out. Oh, and she's got her high heels on, right? She's got her hairs flowing down and she's got her scarf on. She looks all European and high class and she just comes strutting out of the bedroom like this and, and I'm just looking, I'm like, oh God, this woman you gave me, right? Anyway, we, we, I'm getting a little off subject here. Anyway. <laughs> But we would get all dressed up. We'd get all dressed up, really excited. We loved doing this. We'd get all dressed up, and we would go to Barnes & Noble. And we'd go into the cafe, and we would order two coffees and a cupcake. Because we didn't have a lot of money. But that was our date night. A lot of people out here, it's like, man, date night is, oh, man, we're going to this five-star restaurant, and then after that, we're going to go to Joe's Italian Ice, and then after that, we're going to go to this place, we're going to do all kinds of nice stuff, and thank God that God has blessed our society to the point that we can be blessed like that. Isn't that amazing? But when my wife and I got married, there wasn't a lot of that going on, so this was our date night, and we would go, and we'd get two coffees and a cupcake, and we'd sit there with two forks. Remember this, sweetheart? We would sit there with two forks, and we would just look at each other and eat these, this cupcake, and we would... And my wife and I, we would talk and we would dream together. 
We would just dream together. We would just start throwing ideas back and forth. We would start talking about, you know, a house. And, you know, God, 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 one day God's going to give us a house. We're going to buy a house. I'm so excited. We would go into Barnes & Noble. We'd get magazines, home magazines and coastal living and cottage living and all this. We'd page through and, oh, I like that chair. Oh, that's such, oh, look at how beautiful that is. So nice. We'd make all kinds of plans. And it was so nice. We would dream together about a house. We would talk about kids. We would talk about some day we're gonna have kids oh it's gonna be so cool we're gonna have kids we're gonna have we're gonna have all kinds of kids we're gonna be running around they're gonna be amazing little cindy's and little brins running around it's gonna be lots of fun we would talk about ministry we talk about we want god to do something in our marriage in ministry we want god to use our life we don't want to just be just married and just have life and go through life we want god to do something through us we wanted our marriage to have purpose and generosity god was beginning to birth something through our marriage. Are you still with me today? God was beginning to birth something within us. But all of this dreaming, these things don't just come into existence just just off the cuff. It doesn't work like that. Dreaming doesn't bring anything into being. We didn't know at the time that we would later move to Southern California, and it would take us more than seven years to save and save and work hard just to try and have a down payment for a house. We didn't know that was going to be that hard. We didn't know that. We didn't know that. We didn't know that, that we would struggle for six and a half years enduring what seemed like ex- endless disappointment and despair trying to have a child. We had no idea that that was going to happen. We had no idea. And, 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 and for me, watching my wife have to deal with miscarriages and, and unending fertility treatments and, and just to be disappointed once again at the end of the month. I didn't know that was going to happen. I didn't know that was a part of it. I had no idea. But God was birthing something through us. And some things take a long time to birth. And some things are laborious to birth. But God is doing something new. Amen? God is doing something new. And I think this might be one of the reasons why this particular story in the Old Testament strikes a chord with me because of where Abraham is uh, in his life. And, and we're going to jump back into this right now. Verse 2, it says this. It says, God says, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Verse 3, it says, at this, Abraham fell down to the ground, and God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I will change your name. You will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will become the father of many nations. Verse six, it says, I will make you extremely fruitful. He said, he said, your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. Verse seven, it's, if God said to Abram, or Abraham, excuse me, I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. What a thing to say. What an unbelievable thing for God to say. And he doesn't just stop there, he goes on. Verse 15, we'll jump ahead a little bit. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. 
and I will bless her and give, her a, and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. And then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? And this is kind of a crazy thing, but this is a promise that God gives to Abraham because marriage is full of promise. Birthing is full of promise. And so God says to Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. At this time next year, you're going to have a son. And Abraham's like, have you seen us? God, the factory is closed, man. I don't know, I don't know if you've been watching. Where were you 50, 60, 70 years ago when we first got married and we were like, woo, children, but it never happened. Where were you back then? Abraham's like, how am I supposed to become a father at 100? I don't have that kind of stamina. He's like, have you, my wife is 90 years old. You expect her to give birth? It's kind of a crazy thing. And you know what? God knew that Abraham would think that this was impossible. God already knew this. God knows the end from the beginning. And he knew that Abraham would think this is impossible. God knew that Abraham would wonder how in the world could this come about. And because God knew that Abraham would think it's impossible, what does he do? God changes their names. And I find this very interesting. I'd like to think on this just for a second with you if I can. God changes Abram to Abraham, and he changes Sarai to Sarah. Now, in putting this message together, I'm thinking, oh, this is gold. This is going to be so great. I'm going to look up the, na the name, the meanings of the names, and it's going to be like, oh, that's why God did it. It's going to be amazing. But I looked up the name Abram, and it means exalted father. I'm like, well, why would you need to change that? That, that works, right? I mean, exalted father. And the meaning of Abraham is it's father of many, which, yeah, I, that's cool, but, I mean, exalted father, father of many, what's the need for the change, right? And Sarai means princess, but Sarah means also princess. So what's the reason for the change? I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there's got to be a reason. God doesn't do anything without a reason, right? Right? God doesn't do anything without a reason. So what is the point of the change? Why does God feel the need to change their names? And... I looked into this and I, I was thinking about this and I think I found the answer. God knew that in order to birth something through Abraham and Sarah, he needed to change the language of the womb. He needed to change the language of the womb. And this brings me to the second point, which is this, speak the language of the promise. Speak the language of the promise. God knew that by changing their names, he was forcing them to speak what he wanted them to say. Right? So they're no longer calling each other what they called each other before. Now they're calling each other what God wanted them to call each other. God was changing some of their language, changing how they speak, changing how they talk to and about each other. Anyone can speak the language of circumstance. Anyone. Anyone. Not everyone can speak the language of promise. See, if you go through life, you'll find that most people, probably most of the people that you know, speak the language of circumstance. Yeah, my car broke down the other day, and I don't have any money to fix it. Uh, it's just terrible. It's the worst. And you have other people who are like, yeah, I'm never going to be able to buy a house here in California. It's just too, it's just too difficult, man. And it's like, you know, and people... 
people speak the language of circumstance. It's honestly, it's part of our human nature. It's just what we do. We speak the language of circumstance, but God has called you and I to elevate the way that we talk to the language of promise. Not to speak the language of circumstance, but to speak the language of promise. In your marriage, what you say about the womb plays a huge role in whether or not the womb will ever birth anything. What you say about the marriage womb determines whether or not it will birth anything. And I personally believe, by my own experience, that that applies not only to the, phys- the, 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 the marriage womb, but the physical womb. In my, in my and my wife's case, I believe that what you say is unbelievable, unbelievably important. Speak the language of promise. Speak the language of promise. You know, when, uh, when Cindy and I were, a lot of you know this story, and I don't mean to rehash it again, but it's just a major part of my walk with the Lord, what my wife and I dealt with, with uh, infertility. And when we were struggling to have kids, you know, the easy thing to say is to, to talk about the circumstance. The easiest thing to do is to be like, Cindy, man, I don't know. I don't know about this. I don't know where God's at. Like, I prayed a thousand times now. We're coming on year five. We're coming on year six. We're, I've prayed a thousand times for this. I don't know if I can pray again. I mean, is God even listening to us? You know, you can say things like that. I could say, you know, Cindy, I guess it's not in the cards. I don't know. I could have said to my wife, I could have said, man, sucks to be us, honestly. It, I could have said, hey, Cindy, you know, you might want to pull back your expectations a bit and prepare yourself. I could have said things like that. Could have said things like that. And that would have been the easy thing to do. And no one would blame someone for doing that. But in having a lot of quite deep conversations with my pastor and and some of my close friends that that I was willing to share the deepest parts of my struggles to, what they encouraged me to do is to speak the language of promise. To not speak the language of the circumstance, but to speak the language of promise. And so what I had to do was force myself, force myself, I can't stress that enough, force myself to say things like, Cindy, you are going to be an amazing mother. I had to force myself to say to, say to my wife things like, oh, babe, we're going to have a daughter. She's going to look exactly like you. She's going to be this little blondie. She's going to be running around. She's got tons of energy. She's going to have your attitude. She's going to have your, your spunk. She's going to be amazing. She's going to look exactly like you. Those are the kinds of things that I had to say. I would say things like, Cindy, I can't wait to have a son and teach him all the things that my dad taught me. I can't wait to teach him how to build. I can't wait to teach him how to play music. I can't wait to teach him how to, how to work and be a working man. I can't wait. I can't wait. Speak the language of the promise. And let me tell you what, it was not easy. Probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And if you've been in a situation similar, then you would know it's, it's just about the hardest thing. Just about the hardest thing. Because the thing is, there's the outward part of you that's saying, I'm going to speak the language of the promise, and I'm going to speak my faith, and I'm going to say what God wants me to say, but then there's the inward part of you that's just tumultuous, what is the word, tumultuous, my dad's really good with words, so I'm looking at him, tumultuous, and, and, and there's despair, and there's misunderstanding, and there's, and there's, uh, and there's, and there's a lack of strength on the inside, There's a lack of strength in the inside. And on the inside, I'm asking difficult questions. 
does God even want to give me kids? I'm asking things like, am I going to make it through this, honestly? I'm asking things like, you know, where is God in all of this? So there's an outward and an inward portion to this. But if you ask me over 10 years what I would say from my marriage that my wife and I have learned, it would be this. Cindy and I have learned that God didn't design promise to be painless. He designed it to be priceless. He didn't design promise to be painless. He designed it to be priceless. He designed it to be priceless. You know, there's a challenge to faith in marriage. There's a challenge to what God wants to do through us, especially when it looks like it's impossible. Abraham looked at what God said was gonna happen and he definitely, he thought, there's no way this can happen. This is impossible. This is impossible, right? It's absolutely impossible. But you know what? I think that God honors honest faith. Honest faith. But the thing is, sometimes faith isn't in the way that you think, but it's in the way that you act. It's in the way that you speak. Sometimes, you, you, if you, we don't have to, God doesn't look at the inside and think, oh, they have doubts. No, God's looking at what you do, and he's looking at what you say, and he's looking at how you act, because the how you act comes from what you actually believe. It comes what you, from what you actually believe in your heart. Let's get the worship team up here. You know, there's a lot of marriages represented in this room, and, and maybe God is challenging you this morning to speak the language of the promise. Maybe it's something that's already beginning to work within you, and, and, and it could be for all different reasons. Maybe you're here today, and, and, and you would say, you know, God's calling me right now to say, start saying things like, you know, we're going to see blessing in our marriage from now on. Maybe God's calling you to start talking positively about your spouse. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to say, you know what, my spouse is going to receive salvation. Maybe that's what God's calling you to say. Maybe God's starting to call you to say, God is going to provide for all of our needs. Maybe, God, maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, we are going to start putting the promises of God to work in our lives, and he's going to start doing something within our finances. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're here today and you would say, my son or daughter is going to come back to God. The prodigals are coming home. Maybe that's what God's calling you to say. Maybe you're here and you would say, you know what, my neighbors are going to finally give in to all of my nagging and they're going to finally come with me to church and they're going to get saved and then they're going to get the next people saved and my whole street is going to start coming to Elevate Ministries. Come on, somebody. Yes. Maybe that's what you need to start saying. Maybe you need to start saying, you know, I'm going to buy a house in Southern California. I'm, I'm, done being, I'm done thinking that things are impossible for God because I know God can do anything. My God can do anything. Maybe you would say this. Maybe you'd say, my kids are going to grow up and they're going to serve God. Anyone with young kids, I look at my kids and I just think, you are going to grow up. You are going to serve God. You are going to do great things for, in our church. You're going to do great things beyond our church. God is going to do something through you. You might be planning churches. Your kids are going to be planning churches. We're gonna, our family is going to be a powerhouse in the kingdom of God. Maybe those are the kinds of things you need to start saying. <clears throat> Excuse me. Marriage is a womb that carries promise and speak the language of the promise. Can we stand to our feet today? You know, I have a mother that always, I always knew was praying for me. Any, any good Christian mom spends time praying for her kids. And I, I used to do a lot of traveling with, a, with an old band of mine, and we would play, you know, we're all over the place. And, and, uh, and I always knew, no matter where I was, I knew that back home I had a mom who's praying for me. 
a mom who is lifting me up in her prayers. My mom's a, a prayer warrior, as I'm sure you can probably tell. She's, she's back there and she prays for her children, praying for her children, speaking the language of promise into the lives of her children. And you might be here thinking today, hearing all this and hearing this whole message, and you might think, well, yes, but God did might appear to be a barren womb in your marriage. The Bible's full of it. It's full of those wonderful things. Marriage is a womb that carries promise. Speak the language of the promise. Amen, amen. Anyway, let's close our eyes this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, for this message. God, I thank you, Lord, that you, you've done great works in marriages in this church, and you continue on. Lord, you're not a God who comes to an end. What you do is infinite. What you are doing and what you are birthing is continuous. It's going on and on. I wanna ask today, if there's anybody in this place and you've never given your life to Christ, maybe, maybe you're here and you're hearing all of this and you're like, Man, a, a life of promise sounds a lot better than a life in this world where everything is just kind of going to hell in a handbasket. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, if this is true and this God can indeed do anything, then that's the God that I want to serve. That This is the place that I want to be. And maybe you've never given your heart to Christ. I want to give you the opportunity this morning to, to make an honest decision to say, I want to give my life to Christ and I want to live and put these promises to work in my life and see the same result. I want longevity in my marriage. I want strength in my home. Maybe that's you today. If that's you, I want to I encourage you. I'm going to give an opportunity today. And I, if that's you, you want to make that decision, I want to encourage you to lift your hand. If there's anyone in this room today, you would say, I want to give my life to Christ today. Is there anyone in this room, anyone at all, you would say, I want to give my life to Christ. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Amen. Fantastic. Well, then if you're here today and you're married and you would say, you know what, I recognize that it's time to start speaking the language of the promise. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I've been too negative for too long and it's time to turn this, this, turn this ship around because God wants to birth something new within us. And if that's you and you would say, that is me, I'm ready to start speaking the language of promise, I would encourage you, let's gather here in the front together, together as the people of God. Come out from where you are. Let's gather together. I'm with you here because I want my my God to do something in my marriage. We're not done yet. He's got more to do through us. He has got more truth to bring about through us. He's got more things that he wants to do through my kids and my church, and he's going to birth it through our marriages. Can we just, just scooch in real nice and close here? We're the family of God together. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. What we're going to do is we're just going to pray. I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray too. Can you pray over your spouse? Pray over your marriage? It's time to change some things. Our pastors put so much effort into making marriages stronger, and God wants to do something in our marriages today. So I wonder if you can, just begin to cry out to God. Begin to lift up your marriage. Pray over your spouse. Lift them up to the Lord. God, I thank you for every marriage in this place. God, I thank you that we are the people of God. Lord, I thank you that we help each other. We strengthen each other. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that as we as husbands, Lord, would help our wives, strengthen our wives, encourage our wives, speak the language of the promise. I pray for all, all of the wives, Lord, that they would lift up, undergird their husbands, Lord, that they would, that they would help, Lord, that they would, that they would speak the language of the promise, Lord, that we would be a people of faith and that we would be a people that sees God move each and every week through marriages, Lord, that we would see testimonies after testimonies poured out on a regular weekly basis from our marriages. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the people of this city, that the people of this county would know that 
Elevate Ministries is a place full of strong marriages. And Lord, out from this place, Lord, that you would pour an abundance of strength in our community, Lord, through marriage. Lord, that you would pour out, Lord, of your spirit through us, God. And that you would bring new people in because this is a place of strength. This is a place of longevity. This is a place where we see marriages strong. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You're a good God. You're a good God. You're a good God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on, sing this out today. For every eye, come on. For every eye will see. Come on, sing it. And every heart will know there is no name above the name of Jesus. Death could not hold him down. Sing it out. No grave could keep him bound. All sin and sickness bow to the name of. Oh, come on, sing it. Oh, come on, lift it up. And every heart will know that there is no name above the name of Jesus. Death could not hold him down, and no grave could keep him bound. All sin and sickness bow to the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What a word. What a word. You know, Bryn, I had the opportunity to hear that message twice this morning. And uh, what hit me as Bryn began to talk about man builds, God births. The, what hit me was whatever, whatever man puts together, as soon as it's done, it begins to depreciate. So anything that we put our effort and our energy into, we try to make happen ourselves, it, it, it could be amazing things. Lots of good things man is able to build. But it doesn't last forever. It begins to depreciate in value. But the opposite is true of God. Whatever God births, appreciates. It never stops getting better. And I think about marriage. Marriage is one of those things that, you know, the, we, always, we always talk about it. And every, every time we do a wedding, we say, what God has put together, let no man separate. And so what you're, when you're standing here with your spouse this morning and you're holding your spouse's hand to get today, you got to recognize this is something God's put together. And whatever God puts together appreciates. So maybe right now you're in a position in your marriage where, where it's not great. Every, everybody knows there, there are times like that in any relationship where there's struggles and there's good times and there's bad times. There's difficult seasons that we all go through. But I'm here today to tell you that when it, when it comes to your marriage, if it's not good, it's not over. If it's not good right now, it's not over. Because whatever God puts together, it appreciates. It's got potential for greatness. There's this potential, the promise, you're, you're, what you are a part of is the promise. The promise has great reward, great purpose. And I, I just wanna thank the Lord for his, his, his idea of family, his idea of marriage. Aren't you grateful for it? Aren't you grateful for it? Grab your spouse by the hand. Would you do that all over this room? God, we thank you today. And we thank you today. We thank you for this, this incredible word. Lord, oftentimes it, it's easy to speak according to our circumstance. It's easy to speak according to what's happening around us in real time. But I'm grateful that we're not a part of something that's only happening right now. But we're a part of something that is eternal. Lord, with eternal promise and eternal reward, and so I pray right now that we would, we would speak the language of the promise. What an incredible word that is for us today. Lord, it's something practical that we can begin to do even now. I pray that you would use our words to speak to our future.
We thank you, Lord, for marriage. It, it appreciates in value. It's continuing to grow. It's continuing to get better and better. The potential for birthing, it never ends. And so I pray, God, right now, Lord, that something would be birthed into the marriage relationships of this church. Lord, there'd be something that would come alive inside of marriages even now, God, that would produce fruit in season and out of season, Lord, constantly bearing fruit. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for that today. Lord, right now, right now, right now, I know God's spe speaking to some of you even now. God's spoken to you in this message today, and you're making decisions even at this moment that I'm going to begin to change the language. I'm going to speak the language of the promise, if that's you. I want you to seal that to the Lord right now. Would you just say that, Lord? Lord, help me to speak the language of the promise. It's hard sometimes. Circumstances say otherwise. But I'm making a commitment even now to speak the language of the promise. You can do that in every area of your life, especially in your home. Lord, I'm going to speak the language of the promise. Make that commitment right now. Say it out loud. I'm going to speak the language of the promise. Come on, say it out loud. I'm going to speak the language of the promise to myself spouse. I'm going to speak the language of the promise to my children. I'm going to speak the language of the promise, Lord, to my future. Lord, I thank you for the language of the promise. You've given it to me. It's all throughout your word. I'm going to speak your word over my circumstance. It's never going to stop coming out of my mouth because what you say is true and what the devil says is a liar. What culture is speaking is a lie. I'm going to speak the language of the promise found in the blueprint of your word. In Jesus' name, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Come on. All of this place, lift your hands hands begin to thank the Lord right now begin to thank the Lord right now God we thank you we thank you that our story is not over it's just getting started Lord you've got some plans for us to be a part of God you got some future destiny Lord for us to see and so God we thank you for that today God we give you praise we give you glory in Jesus name come on let's lift our voices let's worship the Lord come on every eye will see say come on lift your voice and sing and every heart will know
Bryn. Thank you, Bryn. That was fun this morning. Wasn't that fun? Just fun to be in the house of the Lord. What an incredible, incredible word. Thank you for that. Thank you. And we want to thank you for being with us this morning, being a part of the family of God. Man, we're, we're, we're excited about what our future holds. We know God's got a great plan for you. He's got a great plan for this church, and we're in it together. We're in it together. Amen. So this week, come on, keep that word. Let it marinate inside of you all week long, and, and let God just begin to touch you. Don't forget, Wednesday night, we're going to be here in the house of the Lord. We meet across the street on Wednesdays for midweek service. We want to welcome encourage all to come back all right enjoy the rest of your day today god bless you guys we love you so much